0: This is an Ion Annapolis bonus podcast. All right. It seems every time we turn around, there's another scam in this world that we need to worry about. And uh, just yesterday, actually, Attorney General Brian Frosch warned us about door-to-door COVID test solicitation and identity theft. But one of the biggest threats that everybody faces is financial fraud. And joining us on the phone today is Janelle Burgoyne, who has a job that I never would want in a million years. Um, she is the chief risk officer for CQMD, which is the largest credit union in Maryland. How are you, Janelle? I'm great.
1: Thank you for having me. Good.
0: This is uh, this is great, and boy, I, you know, I, I don't lie when I say this is a job that I never would want because <laughs> chief chief anything first of all sounds pretty scary, and then the risk officer sounds even worse. So it's uh, sounds like you've got a a pretty, a pretty big job on your hands.
1: Yeah, I think the, the title is probably more intimidating than what it actually happens behind closed doors. But
0: <laughs> Well, I you know, I tell you, this, risk is just, or risk, I mean, it's obviously, it's a, it's a huge issue and a huge thing that you need to deal with because fraud is everywhere. And, uh, you know, for those that don't know, I mean, CQ is based right here in Anne Arundel County in Linthicum Heights, um, 24 branches statewide. And I didn't realize you had this many, but they're like 50,000 ATM machines. Uh, yeah. Which uh if you look up into Baltimore they're all getting uh not all yours, but getting run into and trying to be stolen. Uh which probably yeah. falls into what, what you have to deal with as well. I imagine it does,
1: it does. And we've we've touched on some of that ourselves. So we've we've been experiencing some of the uh the toddler and um ATM issues ourselves.
0: Well, three weeks before Christmas uh, I get the get the call or the email or the alert from the bank saying, "Hey, we think your credit card's been compromised, so we're going to curb your spending before Christmas." So I'm not sure whether I like that or hate that, but yeah. you know, it always seems that way. But you know, so th- that's a hassle. Stolen identity is a huge hassle, um, and it does lead into you know financial harm. But when you look at losing outright money for a consumer, that really that really stings when you you know, I've, I've gone to target now and I've, I bought $10,000 worth of gift cards because BG&E said my bill was past due. I mean, you know, that's like, mm. oh my gosh, how do we do this? But I mean, how bad is the fraud in the financial industry right now?
1: I mean, it's, it's quite a pervasive problem. Um, I think in terms of dollar figures, I probably couldn't even quantify it for you, but I know it's gone up at least, Twofold over the past couple years. Um, and it's definitely something we're seeing, um, across the digital space, right? Just as we do everything on our phones, fraudsters are also getting very, very sophisticated and being able to exploit, um, you know, information and there's a variety of different scams that we see, um, that are coming through our phones and through digital peer to peer payment, um, things like Zelle and PayPal, um, you know, beyond the traditional banking financial institutions that, you know, we would have thought about even just 10 years ago. Right. Um, so that just creates a lot of opportunity for, um, you know, money to either be siphoned off from a financial institution or taken from customers. Um, and there's this delicate balance. That, you know, financial institutions and risk officers like myself are balancing between, you know, the overall customer experience because it does burn if your credit cards can't use it or, you know, funds are cut off or a certain fraudulent alert. Right. But also protecting the financial well-being of that customer and the institution. So it's definitely um, top of mind, I think, for all um, CROs, CFOs and, and CEOs across the financial
0: sector. You just threw out, a uh, you said the incidents have increased twofold over the last couple of years. Did I hear that right?
1: You did. Um, and I I'm targeting the digital and mobile um, sure. areas of business. Yep.
0: Wow. I wish my salary increased twofold over the last couple,
1: <laughs> couple of years. I, I mean, these fraudsters
0: are, they're, they're, I mean, it it seems like we're taking two steps forward and one step back. I mean, granted, we're still moving forward. But I mean, it, it and, and I guess that's no different than it's been for hundreds and hundreds of years is that, you know, somebody will figure out a way to thwart any kind of a system. Right. But right. Um, I, I mean, and you also mentioned, you know, in the digital realm, you've got, you know, the Zelle and the PayPals and and everything else. But and everybody is dealing in that now i know we mm-hmm. my girlfriend and i were in nebraska recently and i ended up paying for a car that she was supposed to rent and she's like okay well she just zelled me the uh you know the money back and i talked sure. to my kids and they you know they're out drinking in new york and it's like hey okay well i'll ban money this and i'll you know what is there one platform or is that going to get you in trouble that's safer that you would recommend <laughs> I,
1: no i'll stay away from that question but i do think um they're all, I mean, they're safe to a certain extent, right? Um, but I think the Zelle and the PayPal, where things come, become complicated is when those monies you know, need to either come out of or go into um, a traditional bank. That sort of authentication and making sure that there's fraud, um, like a fraud model on the bank or the financial or credit union side, those need to be more sophisticated. Um, So I think, you know, really just probing into the the infrastructure of the financial institution that you bank with um, is really important as well.
0: Well, I mean, how how does a consumer protect themselves from you know, potentially being a victim. I mean, are there any tips like, I mean, I know when you go to a website, they say to look for that little S after HTTP or uh-huh. look for the little padlock in the URL address on your browser, just to make sure before you you know, throw in any kind of a credit card or anything like that. I mean, I know personally I'm a little bit ultra paranoid. And what I do is I've got one credit card specifically with a very low limit. And that is my online shopping credit card. Right, uh, I you know so fine. I, I I don't say fine, steal it, but I mean you know if you take it, that's it's one. They're not getting into my whole wallet, and that's. Right. I, I don't know whether that's a good line of thinking or a bad line of thinking, but it's the one that, that makes me happy. So. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a great approach. And I would, I would encourage that to customers as well. Um, I think with fraud, it's just, there's so many things customers can do now. I can't say that, you know, follow X, Y, and Z, and then you'll, you know, be immune to any fraud through Zelle or PayPal. But I do think just educating yourselves on what scams exist and what's out there, I think is key. Um, I know, just youngsters and even elderly folks maybe don't have the level of sophistication. They can sometimes be naive in terms of um, who's reaching out to them, the information that they're asking for. Um, oftentimes, people get caught up in phishing scams where a fraudster is pretending to, you know, provide a certain service or. You know, threatening to, to cut off utilities, etc. And you know, you need to sell them or you know, get them a certain amount of money. Um, to you and I, that sounds absurd. But I think lots of people fall victim to those um, scams, right? So just being aware, I think, is is key. Um, and then just from a very tactical perspective, um, passwords, right? I know I don't have the memory I used to twenty years ago, yeah. um, and using a password keeper, I think, is a great idea. Having passwords that are basically random, you know, they have alpha numeric characters, there's a symbol in there, 12 or so characters long. Um, For me, that's hard to remember. And I think best practice is to have a password like that, unique to each account, to be, you know, ultra safe Um, And I think keeping track of that and using a password keeper would be a great way for folks to perhaps thwart any sort of, you know, if there was a breach of data, if there was a breach of a password, um, it would only be exploited for one account. Right. You don't just get one password and use it across a fraudster could use it across you know a variety of accounts that you might use that same password for.
0: That makes sense. I'll tell you, before the password managers were a thing, uh, Uh I I gave up banking with uh, it was. I don't know whether it was first union or whatever it was before first union um, existed, because on a on a corporate account they required a password change every thirty days, mm-hmm. and then it was it had to be so many you know crazy letters and numbers and, and everything else, and then it said. You can never use the same one again, and I'm like you guys are just begging me to write it on a sticky note
1: and
0: and the password managers are great and I mean even even the the rudimentary ones I know Apple has one sort of a password keeper or something like that that works with their stuff, but uh you know the right. one pass and there's a number of them that are very very good where you remember one master password to get in there to organize them if you will, and then as uh-huh. you go to each website it you know, it gives you the. I mean, it was like when you. Well, I, I don't know how old you are, but like when AOL was a thing and they were giving away the free CDs at Blockbuster. You right. Know, if you sign up and says, "Oh, I'm sorry, uh, John. F John F is taken. How about X three two nine eight seven five? You know, at AOL dot uh-huh. Like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, but that's the types <laughs> of passwords that these password keepers will will give you. Um, exactly. To do that, um, but. Other, other skimmers, are they still a big thing on ATMs? Uh,
1: we are still seeing that. I feel like the um, sort of physical skimming that's happened from a fraud perspective, we haven't seen such an uptick in that as we have from just the digital wallet space. Um, but that is something that's, you know...
0: Continues. Well, I, I guess that makes sense, though. I mean, if nobody's dealing in cash anymore, you might, why Why try to skim cash when you can just right. take it, take it, <laughs> figure out a way to get it from the source? And, you know, right. it, it blows my mind when I hear people that have been scammed for huge amounts of money uh, you know, for whatever reason they've wired to, uh, you know, if somebody calls and says, oh, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm pretending to be a friend and I'm stuck in jail in Paris. Can you please wire me ten thousand dollars? Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, and they're doing it. And I, and I'm just, you know, as you said, maybe you and I are just a little bit more in tune to it, but I'm like, how can somebody without verifying who this is, just a random email just happens to have the name. I mean, I can go, I I can probably go into your office and find out, you know, a couple of your coworkers names and, Mm -hmm. you know, and call you up and say, Hey, Janelle, you know, Mary said that she, you know. And right. I, I just don't understand why people aren't a little bit more cynical. Uh, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, to do that. Uh, I agree. Um, are, are skimmers still around on gas pumps? I know that was a big thing at one point.
1: Right. I think a lot of that has actually, um, like I said, been thwarted. Um there might be instances where, you know, they're caught in sort of random places in the U.S. But um, I think once that trend was sort of found out and people were able to actually identify what they looked like, right. um, that that kind of.
0: Here's a question for a risk officer. When I go <laughs> to the gas station, I do pay by credit card and I use the little self, you know, put your card in type thing and, and everything else. Do I select credit or debit?
1: I always do credit. Okay.
0: Now let me see if I'm, I'm right. My thinking is I do do credit because my thought Mm -hmm. is that my pin number for debit, um, gives you access to any number of things. And there's a good chance that that pin number exists for some other things other than just the, what I'm getting the gas pump, but credit, uh, it's my zip code and anybody can kind of figure that out if they want to work on it.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I think in terms of, um, credit cards and how those are processed. Um, the, I, I think the internal controls on a credit card transaction um, is stronger than what I have observed on the debit side. Interesting.
0: Interesting there. But I mean, now how do you, as a, as a bank, when you're technically a credit union, which there's probably some kind of a subtle difference between that and the bank. Um, right. But for all intents and purposes, you are a banking institution. I mean, this has got to be a huge cost to you Passed down to your customers, uh, members and everything else. But I mean, how do you, when I find out that my debit card has been compromised and, you know, Sammy the scammer went to Best Buy and bought $7,000 worth of big screen TVs and uh-huh. he's loaded them into his pickup truck and, and he's he's off to sell them in, you know, whatever big city they want to, you know, sell them and, and hawk them at. Uh, I'm out seven grand and you guys make it good on me. I mean, how does that work?
1: Yep. So. It's interesting. I mean, there's obviously regulations that that create guardrails for financial institutions in this space. Um, you know, the financial institution has a fiduciary responsibility to protect its customers and um, it's it's um, it's money, right? So even though the the customer's out of that money, we would do all that we could to make sure that we are getting that to the customer, um, and we do have sort of insurance on the back end to, to support it, but as long as the customer wasn't negligent in sort of participating or knowing in that fraud, nine times out of ten, you know, we're making sure that we are making the customer whole and we're trying to do the right thing. Um, where we do see issues, though, where the customer might, you know, be out of that out of that money is if they participated in something that wasn't reasonable, right? So the whole, you know, I'm stuck in a random country in jail and I need you to send me the $10,000. If you send the um, $10,000, unfortunately the the financial institution isn't able to get you anything in Uh, that instance.
0: And and I've also heard a lot of the scams were, um, and Craigslist is one of them and Hey, we've got a house for rent or an apartment Mm -hmm. for rent and I'm not there. So what I'll do is I'll send you the key to take a look at it. But in order to protect my house, reasonable you need to send me like 2500 bucks it's just a deposit and I'll give it back to you when you send the key back to me um, and yeah. and you know they go there and the house is occupied and it has nothing to never been for rent and and everything else I mean I've heard that again and that's that type of a situation it may be difficult for a consumer to reclaim uh, their money exactly mm. it would be um,
1: which is unfortunate and that's why this fraud conversation is so it's so important, is because it's not just the financial institution that has to do the due diligence; the customer does also, right? And there's just this balance in terms of responsibility. Um, obviously, from a credit union perspective, we're trying to do as much as we can to serve our members. So we try to educate them on these types of scams and making sure that you know they understand we would never you know, reach out for specific pieces of information, et cetera. But customers really need to be aware of the types of scams that exist out there. And you could be liable for, you know, lost funds in participating in something like this. Now, obviously, we include um, when a fraud um, case comes through our our door, you know, we alert the police. And, you know, if there's a theme of these things that exist, obviously there's a, there could be a claim, you know, from a a legal perspective, right? But sure. in the short term, oftentimes customers are out, you know, a sizable amount of money.
0: Mm. Well, it seems to me like the best best way to combat this. I mean, obviously uh, you can eat it, you can get insurance to cover some of it on from the you know, the financial institution and but I mean it seems to be the best way is to invest in prevention on your end and that would be technology, I guess, and education to your okay. to your members.
1: Exactly. And we've continued to, you know, make those investments from a technology side. Um, you know, we have to continuously stay on top of trends and just making sure that the infrastructure we have meets, um, you know, what the fraudsters are doing in the marketplace. But also, you know, as I mentioned earlier, just educating our members on what's out there and what we're seeing through different newsletters and um, holding a variety of, of info sessions across our membership. As we came
0: into a new new world we're talking about you know digital wallets and everything else funny story i was in nebraska not too long ago and i went into a coffee shop and i asked the guy i'm getting to the point where i'm very rarely carrying cash and i didn't happen to have my phone and i didn't happen to have my wallet with me and i said oh do you take apple pay and he's like yeah we do that. And and it's like, OK, so I ordered my little hot chocolate and he says, OK, fine. So I have my Apple Watch. I gave it two taps on the side and held it up to the thing. And he jumped back like there was like some voodoo going on. <laughs> and and, and he, he looks at me and says, what the hell was that? I said, was- I said it was Apple Pay. And he turned around, he looks at his screen and it says approved. And he turns it to me, he says, this says approved. What? Is-? And, and I, you know, so we got into this whole conversation about like the Apple watch and the Apple pay because he had never seen it. He had seen people holding cell phones up to the little machine and doing it as opposed to just waving a wrist. And mm-hmm. it's again, it's a little bit of education on how we we do this. It was a, it was really funny. The look on his eyes was like, OK, did I just get ripped off for a hot chocolate here in the, you know, in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska? <laughs> But it was fine Now is crypto as that is coming into our life that and NFTs and all the stuff that I really have no concept of, but is that proving to be another hurdle for you and the risk management?
1: So it's something we're definitely watching. We haven't experienced a huge sort of volume in that space but we've experienced enough to continue to watch it obviously the crypto is something that a lot of people are clamoring to and it will continue to be uh, something we have to watch and i think the sophistication of customers continues to enhance and so does our fraudsters right so i think that's something that we're going to have to continue to watch um in 2022
0: right how long have you been in the banking industry
1: for about 15, 20
0: years. Okay, so cashless has always kind of been a thing for you, probably.
1: Oh, um, um, I mean, maybe.
0: Yeah, um, you know, I mean, it always, it always existed. It probably was in its infancy back then, and you know, and my dad was always is in, in banking for his life in New York, and uh, you know, he said that we'd ultimately be a cashless society. And uh, honestly, he probably thought it was going to be a lot sooner than now. I mean, we're not quite there. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you do you think that? the cashless society is inherently more dangerous and susceptible to, you know, fraud and loss than cash. I mean, I, you know, I pull my hand out of my pocket too fast and, you know, I can drop 200 bucks on the, on the ground and not even know it. And I'm I'm done. There's absolutely nothing. There's no trace or anything of it there. It could have been blown away. It could have been picked up. It could have been swept up by the trash man
1: right no I think obviously where the the world we are living in now everything being digital I mean things move so quickly right in terms of a dollar that you have in your pocket versus a dollar that sits in your wallet digitally I mean it moves. The ability for that to move and be in a variety of different hands um, is just, it's astronomical, right? So in terms of being able to, to get your arms around that and to manage and police it and figure out who's touching what, I think is just, it's just a totally different landscape. And I think we're just scratching the surface in terms of how to to manage it and to, to kind of get behind what these fraud schemes um, look like.
0: Yeah, its uh, I mean, it it blows my mind that I can be anywhere in the world and tap into my bank account and have money spit out in a local currency Mm -hmm. and taken out of my bank account, you know, in a, in an instant and you know about it, the new bank knows about it and everything else like that. It's, it's, you know, the, the speed thing. I mean, I guess the days of any kind of a floater done um, you know, I want to check an in, in, interesting story on that. Do you know? Um, do you know where Federal Express got its name from? I do not. Okay, this is this is a this is a great banking story. You can tell this at your staff meeting next week. Okay. okay. Federal Federal Express got its name because when Fred Smith established the company, the very first client they landed was the Fed. It was the banks. Yes. He was he was taking um, in. That's what he sold. He said, look, you're waiting on this float of all this checks. Okay. So all these checks come into Philadelphia or wherever the different, you know, federal reserves are and you bag them up and you bundle them up and you mail them to San Francisco or Dallas or where, you know, wherever the banks are. And then they shift them out and then they take the money out of the accounts and everything else. So it was great. You could turn around if your rent's due on the first, you know, you write your check on the first and you got a five day float. So you don't have to have the money in there until the sixth. He said, what if we could get it to you overnight? And the Fed's like, yeah, man, we that's great. You know, more money for the banks. We've got, you know, everything else. And that's what they did. So that was their first customer. And that's how it was named. And the very first day that they went, they everything came into, um, I think it was Louisville. But uh-huh. there's a story that he was sitting there on the tarmac, the very first flights. And he looks in with, he's got a core group of investors. And he sees these planes coming into this small airport at like two in the morning. And he looks and he goes, Oh, my gosh, this is going to freaking work. You know, no, 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 nobody was really sure. So these planes are landing and they're they're taxiing all over there because they brought everything at that time. They brought everything into one central hub and sent it out again. And uh, as soon as they're taxiing, he had a change of heart. He says, you know what? Screw everything else on the plane. Get the bags from the Fed on the plane and just load them out. So the very first planes that first deliveries the Federal Express did, if it wasn't a federal bag, it was late. And uh, Wow! But they got they got them over there, and that's where it, um, Federal Express came from. So there's there's that's sto- a great
1: story. That's there, that's there, a great there's story. a story
0: for your uh, for your Monday, <laughs> Monday Monday water cooler there. Um, but, you have a lot of good stories. But well, I'll, I'll tell you if um just some parting words as we start to wrap up here. I mean. Is there, um, you know, the, the obvious tip for everybody that's listening is to go check out uh, CQMD.org, which is the website. It's S-E-C-U-M-D. And see if you qualify to be a member because, you know, there's many, many benefits to being uh, part of a credit union versus a traditional bank. And uh, one thing that I do like about it is the foundation that you have and the community resources and the community outreach that you guys do year after year after year after year. Um, and. There's probably many of ways that you can become a member. Um, whether you're related to somebody that could do that, and there's uh, there's plenty of ways. So go there and do that. But do exactly. you, do you, Janelle, have any tips or parting words or anything like that that you for people that are listening to keep them safe in the financial world?
1: No, I would just say continue to be diligent and just keep your eyes open and check in with your gut. I feel like there's just a lot going on right now, and I think everyone is. Kind of looking for the silver lining in things, right? But I think sometimes we just need to to take a pause um, and kind of think about: Is this person really, you know, having my best interest in asking for a piece of information? It sounds very sort of basic, but I do think we just need to create a level of, of awareness and just kind of, I guess, healthy skepticism would be great um, for everybody as they're thinking about their personal information and how they can, you know, better protect their own finances.
0: Well, hopefully this will do just that. And I'll tell you just before we uh, hang up here, two other things that I do need from you. I do need your social security number, number, your mother's maiden (laughs) name, and the name of your first pet. Okay, we we just keep this on record just to make sure that we...
1: (laughs) So hilarious. hilarious. Um, I'll check
0: my uh, password keeper and share those with you. You know, sort of a funny story. I was at Kohl's one time shopping and oh. they always say, you know, Hey, do you want a Kohl's credit card? Do you want a Kohl's credit card to get an extra 10% off? And I'm always like, no, I don't need another credit card. Like I need a hole in the head. Uh, but I like the 10%. And then one time the girl says, Hey, you know, if, even if you're not approved, you'll still get the extra discount. And I'm right. like, Oh, okay. So I just put in, put in your social security number. I put in some nine random digits and mm-hmm. oh, sorry, it's declined, but I got my, you know, my 20% or whatever it was. And I'm like, okay, this is fine. So one day I go in there and they said, Hey, you want I said, no, I'm not interested. And they said, well, I said, okay, we're well, fine. And out of habit, I threw in my regular, my, my own social security number and says, oh, great. You've been approved. I'm like, oh God. I must've put my right, oh, yeah. I, I put my right one in there, you know, I right, mean, I, I mean right. it was legitimate. It wasn't fraudulent or anything like that, but it was, uh, it was funny. I was just saying, yeah, well now I've got a Coles credit card and they're, <laughs> they're, they're happy. They're happy with that. Um, this Great. has been fascinating. And for those that uh, don't remember, we are speaking with Janelle Burgoyne, who is the chief risk officer for CQMD. Again, that's Maryland's largest credit union here. And, um, as long as people don't keep running into them and trying to steal them, they have 50,000 free ATMs all all over the state, 24 branches. And, um, you know, banking has really changed. I know we've talked to several people with, uh, you know, with the organization and, uh, you know, my as I say, my dad was in banking all of his life and I mean they were giving out toasters and you know, and all sorts oh, of incentive oh, and those oh. days are kind of gone. Um uh, but the the amount of services that you have and I mean the again, I'm so impressed with the foundation and how, you know, the scholarships that they're giving out and the the education and everything else that they give back into the community, uh makes CQ just a, a great neighbor um for anybody here in Maryland. So and I do appreciate your time this morning and certainly your expertise and tips and information. And I think you said it best, you know, just be health, healthy, skeptic, be a healthy skeptic.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you for having me, John. And thanks to Ion Annapolis for letting me just kind of offer a couple tips and tricks.
0: Awesome. Okay. Last chance. Do you want to give me up, give up that social security number or not?
1: <laughs> I'll keep it to myself.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> thanks very much, Janelle. Thank you. This has been a bonus podcast from Ion Annapolis. Please visit us at ionanapolis.net. Follow us on Facebook at All Annapolis and on Twitter at ionannapolis. And if you haven't subscribed to the Daily News Brief podcast, go for it. And all of your local news will be delivered to your phone, tablet, or smart device by 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday.